the the project that I would say has been like 20 years in the making is what I'm focused on right now, which is Ladder, which is a nutrition supplement brand that uh, was really founded by LeBron James and uh, with help from Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm just the lucky guy who gets to be a part of something that's uh, what was really an accidental business. This was not supposed to be a business. This was just like a, a quiet project that I was lucky enough to be a part of, and it's become something so much more. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest minds and strength from around the world. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao. Today, I'm talking to an old friend of mine from the fitness industry, Adam Bornstein. Adam's resume goes on and on. He's the author of seven books, including three fitness bestsellers, was a columnist for Muscle and Fitness and Men's Fitness, and he's a fitness advisor for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Previously, Adam was the fitness editor of Men's Health Magazine and the editorial director of LiveStrong.com. These days, Adam spends a lot of his time as the chief of nutrition and head of content for the supplement company Ladder. The company was co-founded by Schwarzenegger and LeBron James, as well as other celebrities in the fitness and wellness space. Adam walks us through why he was tapped to lead so much of the company's development, especially on the formulation side. We also chat on what consumers need to know to make better decisions when it comes to nutritional supplements, along with surprising misconceptions that still permeate that industry. And if you're enjoying the Barbend podcast, I'd love it if you could leave a quick rating and review in your podcast app. That goes a long way in helping us grow the show. And it's also the best way to let us know who you'd like to see as a guest on future episodes. Adam Bornstein, thanks so much for joining us here in the Barbend office in Dumbo, Brooklyn. Did you find the place okay? Did you, did you have to like weave in and out of the hordes of tourists to get up here? Uh, my Uber driver dropped me off. Definitely not close to where I was supposed to be. He's like, is this where we're supposed to be? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I've never been here. And I did walk a little bit. I found it eventually. This, this is like the tour, the tourism heart of New York. And when I moved to New York, it wasn't, but now it is. And that's strictly due to Instagram. That's a hundred percent due to Instagram, just ruining this part of town for people who live and work here. But I'm glad you were able to find it. I now feel a little bit better because I was the guy who's like looking at my phone trying to be like, where am I? And people probably just thought I was another like IG influencer, like trying to set up my shot or looking at my feed or doing something along those lines. Uh, at least you weren't blocking an, an active street. That's a, that's a pet peeve of mine, but that's separate from what we're talking about today on the Barbin podcast. And Adam, for those of you who might not be familiar, for those listening who might not be familiar with your career, you've worked with every fitness publication under the sun, you're at Ladder now, and you have a very, very wide-ranging background, I'd say. You're a New York Times bestselling author. I'm really butchering your bio, so give no, us the elevator good. pitch, the Adam Bornstein elevator pitch, if you don't mind. And the Adam Bornstein elevator pitch is I hate talking about myself, so I was really hoping that we would just we would just roll with that. The the elevator pitch is I am a former university researcher turned men's health editor, turned editorial director of Livestrong, turned best-selling author, turned media consultant for every publication under the sun, uh, turned, I guess, 
entrepreneur. I uh, own a few different businesses, Born Fitness, a consulting company, an events company. But the one that uh, is kind of the the project that I would say has been like 20 years in the making is what I'm focused on right now, which is Ladder, which is a nutrition supplement brand that uh, was really founded by LeBron James and uh, with help from Arnold Schwarzenegger and I'm just the lucky guy who gets to be a part of something that's uh, what was really an accidental business. This was not supposed to be a business. This was just like a, a quiet project that I was lucky enough to be a part of, and it's become something so much more. I, I definitely want to hear about the genesis of Ladder because when you and I last touched base, it was after one of when we last saw each other in person. I think it was actually in 2013. It was after one of you, it was at a book release that you were hosting in New York. And we talked to each other like online a few times, but mostly you were in Colorado, you were consulting, you were starting a family, things seemed to be going objectively well. And then suddenly I hear about this ladder thing, don't know you're attached to it at all. I see, oh, it's LeBron James and it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and it's it's Lindsey Vaughn and it's all these great athletes starting the supplement company. And then I look at the about page and I see Adam Bornstein's name, and I just go, "Son of a gun! What is he? What is he doing now? How did you get involved? And at what stage in Ladder's creation were you looped in, or did you become involved? Or, or tell us about that." Yeah, so I think I've made a career out of trying to be invisible. Even my my consulting agency pen name, it's named pen name for a reason, pen name being a ghostwriter. If you look at the logo, there's a little there's a little ghost in the P. And it's just because like, I just didn't want people to know what I was involved with because it wasn't really about me. It was about what we were creating, what we were putting out. And I've been fortunate enough to work with some amazing people. Um, really, it's one of those things where I look back at some of the things that I've done and I even question like, how in the world did this happen? And I think it just comes down to uh, ideally doing great work and helping a lot of people. And one of the people I've been able to help him work with is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, if you were to go back to 2016, I get a call from Arnold one day and it's, a, it's basically like come to my office for a meeting. And like, <laughs> you don't, you don't say no to that. You invite. don't, you don't say no. And what the meeting was, was with uh, LeBron James's trainer, Mike Mancius. So 2015, LeBron James cramps in the NBA Finals. Not probably his highest moment. He was like the best athlete in the world um, by most people's standards. Uh, just having a moment of uh, weakness is the wrong way to put it, but uh, a moment where his body gave out. And LeBron, like any great competitor, just isn't going to be okay with that. So he goes to Mike and he's just like, we got to step it up this offseason. Training nutrition, supplementation, everything. No stone unturned. Mike tells like these great stories about LeBron where Mike gets, you know, pitched on things all the time by people. He'll like, you know, he'll say that like he gets something from like a psychic and he'll tell LeBron being like, man, could you believe this that a psychic is reaching out to me saying he can help you? And they'll laugh about it. And he says, LeBron will get really serious. He'll look at him. He's like, you should look into it. Yeah, Dig, dig, dig into that. Just yeah. make sure. You should look into that. And so I think that's like that, that's kind of the mentality of like, they just go to a different level. And so LeBron wanted to go to a different level. And to this point, LeBron had never touched a supplement in his life. 
anything. So he sends Mike out to go and see what he can find. And Mike's his guy. And you got to understand, Mike's like this unicorn trainer where before he worked with LeBron James, he worked with Michael Jordan before he retired for good with the Wizards. So Mike Mancy is the only guy who can say, I've trained Michael Jordan and LeBron James. It's a pretty good resume. That, yeah, I'd, I'd call that batting a, batting a thousand right Yeah, now. I think like whenever LeBron is finally done, like Mike should just be like, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to don't even do anything in basketball anymore. Whatever you do next, just that that is like, I don't believe in perfection, but that's about as close as you get to uh, perfection in terms of who you get to train with. So Mike goes out there and comes back to LeBron. and He's like, one, I don't really trust the majority of these supplements out there from a safety standpoint. And besides from a safety standpoint, the effectiveness is it's a big issue because most people don't realize that while supplements are governed by the FDA, regulation is really light. And it's just a byproduct of the FDA being completely overloaded. If you were to go on Amazon alone, you're going to find 130,000 supplement brands. That's, that's, that's a not, lot. That's not supplements. That's brands. Brands. We're not even talking about SKUs. That's a lot. So trying to manage that. So like the, the example I give is that, you know, if you wanted to go home tonight and mix up a little supplement concoction and your supplement concoction could just be some chocolate powder that you put on a pretty looking box and put it on Amazon and say, I've got the world's greatest protein powder. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. And there's nothing stopping you from like saying there's 30 grams of protein in this if there's not a single gram. And unless someone files a complaint and sends it into the FDA, no one be, would be any the wiser to know that that's made up. And that's what the supplement industry is. Uh, the right supplements, good supplements can help people, but knowing what to trust and then making sure the right amount of the right ingredients are in there is really, really difficult. And there's a big education problem. It's hard for people to know. So Mike did his homework and he's just like, LeBron, we like, there, there's nothing to take. So LeBron, uh, reaches out to some people who he knows and one of them being Arnold and essentially tasked Mike with getting information for how he could create his own. And that's when I was brought in, uh, I've known Arnold and worked with him for a while. So it's like, let's help make a supplement for LeBron James just for the sake of making a supplement for LeBron James, not to build a business, not to turn something out. It was just like LeBron wanted to upgrade and it started just with a protein. And that's, kind of where this whole thing began. And once we went through the, the process of formulating and manufacturing and him taking it, and then like eventually down the road after LeBron used for a while, I get another call and it's like, hey, do we have something here? Because if this is a problem for LeBron, a guy who has access to whatever he wants, one, how many other athletes have the same problem? But more importantly, isn't this a problem for everyone, for everyone being able to take a supplement that they can trust and that is, uh, has the right ingredients and the right amount backed by science? You know, we worked with some amazing scientists in formulating this, uh, lead uh, science advisors, Abby Smith Ryan, University of North Carolina, head of exercise physiology, brilliant and really specializes in performance enhancing supplements, just like trying to get the most out of performance in natural ways. And it was just like, yeah, there is something here. Let's, let's look into it. So before Ladder was even Ladder, before it had a name or a business, this was just a project to at first 
create something for LeBron as part of his like off-season redemption of doing a better job of taking care of himself overall. Because it's not like taking a supplement in and of itself is going to prevent cramping. That That's not what the message here. The message is that like here's a guy who realized that there was more that he could do to help prevent his body from breaking down. And one component of that was going to be supplementation because it was something he hasn't done. And it was something he could do to to help out. And that was really the genesis. That's where I came in to help from a formulation standpoint, from a science standpoint. My background is on the science side of things. And uh, it was just, it's fun, but it's crazy to see where it is now from where it started. What were some of the issues that you wanted to tackle early on in formulation? So just to set some context, I'm of the opinion that there are a ton of bad supplements out there, but I'm also of the opinion, and this is coming from years of trying stuff myself and getting to know the supplement industry a bit and working in it, that there are some good ones out there. There Definitely. are some there are some brands that I personally really like and trust and would, you know, recommend to my mother or, you know, someone in my family, which I have. I would call them often often the minority in the space. And I very much agree with you that it's it's pretty easy to start a supplement company. Yeah. And it's pretty difficult to call people out on on things if, you know, they're cutting some corners. But how did you start approaching it? And what were some of those initial learnings you had in formulating? I guess you started with the protein powder. Right. In creating a supplement. And what was for LeBron and what was missing from the market that went into or influenced the the first ladder, call it 1.0 or 0.0 before right. it was even a company. Yeah, I, I think you you look at it from when you're creating a supplement, what are you trying to accomplish with that product? So when it starts from a protein powder, protein is the foundation of every cell really in your body. It's your hair, it's your skin, it's your nail, it's your it's your muscles. It's it's so important. Um and so if you want to do that, you want to make sure that you're not only getting a good source of protein, you're getting a quality protein, you're getting a protein that you can absorb and that what you see is on the label is actually in the product. I consider myself very well versed in nutrition and it was even eye opening going through the supplementation process when you work with manufacturers to see where they source it. Um, what you see on the label isn't always necessarily what you put in your body. A great example is uh, on paper, whey protein concentrate and whey protein isolate are very, very similar. There is nothing wrong per se with the whey protein concentrate. You'll get a little bit more carbohydrates, a little bit more fat. If you're sensitive to lactose, there's a little bit more lactose than an, than an isolate. But what I didn't realize is that there are certain regulations on what qualifies as a whey protein concentrate compared to a whey protein isolate. So if you're a whey protein concentrate, it means as a percentage of weight, it can be anywhere from 30 to 80% protein. So you on your label could see that you have 20 grams of whey protein concentrate, which in theory is great. But if it's a 30% concentration, it's possible you really only have like eight usable grams of protein in there. And that's a real issue. So you start understanding from a sourcing standpoint, from how you want to label things. Um, and then even other considerations. Are there other ways to maximize absorption of proteins? How well do we understand proteins? You know, most people just think of protein as protein, but protein is really a, a byproduct of the amino acids. The amino acids are the building block of protein. Well, how do amino acids work? Well, when you eat 
protein, your body breaks down those proteins into all the individual amino acids. You have nine essential ones. And it goes into what's essentially a pool, an amino acid pool, where all these amino acids are floating around. But if you don't have all of the essential amino acids, your body can't release all of them to put them to use. And this amino acid pool refreshes essentially every four to six hours. So then you start thinking like, man, you could take a protein, but if it's not a complete protein, your body isn't releasing all of it. And then if you have a limiting amino acid, an essential amino acid, your body doesn't get all you want. And it starts to get really, really technical. So it's like you kind of take a step back and you're like, all right, people need a protein. They need it to be from a good source. They need to know that the amount of protein that is on the label is actually what they're putting in their body. We need to make sure there's enough amino acids in there. We need to make sure that all the different things that would allow it to be absorbed are there. Um, and one of those things, uh, to me, which is surprising enough, is probiotics. Probiotics is one of those areas that uh, we're going to know so much more about them in like 10 years. Like it is, we are way too early on probiotics. But there are a few areas where you're seeing a little bit of reliability. Science is based on reliability and validity. Reliability being like when you test something over and over again, does it show the same result? Validity is like, does this shit actually work? And we're seeing that certain probiotics help with the absorption of protein to make sure that like you're taking advantage of the stuff you put in your body. It's just like if you're spending money on something with the intent that it's going to make a difference, like let's make the most of it. Uh, so you start just kind of like breaking it down of like how much do you need? What source should it be from? How do you absorb it? How do you make sure it doesn't have any of the negative side effects like stomach disruption? And most of that is usually due either to the sourcing or the sweetener that people will use. So most artificial sweeteners, especially anything that ends in tall. So think about a maltitol, a sorbitol, an erythritol, a xylitol is more likely to create GI distress. Let's eliminate that. And let's try and make it taste good, but using natural flavors because we just want to minimize again like sourcing uh, any sourcing issues and that's where it started and that was just for the way alone then when you get into plant-based proteins plant-based proteins have way more issues with not being a complete protein most plants are incomplete which means they don't have the essential amino acids so you can combine plants together but then most plants are really low in leucine leucine is one of the bcaas one of the branch chain amino acids super important for uh, muscle recovery muscle growth assuming that all the other essential amino acids are there. So then you can look at rice and hemp and chickpea, but all of them are really low in leucine. So then it's like, okay, what's the one that's highest in leucine? Because that's what makes whey so popular. And it's like, it's pea. But then most peas are only like 60% protein by weight. So it's like, man, if we have a whey protein isolate, which is 90% minimum protein by weight, that's the difference between an isolate and a concentrate. The isolate has to be 90%. How close can we get it to that? So you start looking from the sourcing and it's like you find that pea protein isolates way better. If you remove the hemp or the rice, you don't get things that are likely to cause GI distress as well. If you add in some digestive enzymes, having the probiotics, again, you have suddenly a plant-based protein that's very, very similar to whey. So for us, it was just like give the right amount, so at least 20 grams. Uh, give it from sources which are going to be higher in amino acids. Help it be digested. Make sure it doesn't cause GI distress. And make sure it tastes good. And... When you go through that process, it takes about like two years to get there, where it's just like, all right, we got a product we can work with. Where are you all sourcing? And this is something that we get asked a lot uh, on Barben when we try protein powders. Um, we, we just did a tasting video that I don't even think is released yet, but we, we tried like the weirdest protein powder flavors. People love learning about protein powder. We've got content on isolate versus concentrate versus you know hydrolyzed ways and things like that. And the question we always get asked 
is, well, where does this manufacturer source their way? Like literally, where are the cows is a question we get a lot of times. For ladder, where did you start sourcing your way from? Has that changed as the company has grown and you've had to build scale? Yeah, um, it, it hasn't changed. Like with the way it, it's funny, but I think New Zealand has like the the market of like we we provide grass fed cows that can give you your way, and it's it's great um, in terms of just being able to source. And we made sure that the supply chain was set up in a way that it wasn't going to be an issue. Um, so much of the benefits of grass fed is really more from a sustainability or if you look at the environment from that standpoint or the way that they treat animals, just because when you go through the process of creating whey, part of what makes something special from a grass fed standpoint is, is lost during that microfiltration right. it's process. The fat, it's the fats you're removing. The right. Fats. And the nutrients, like there's, right. there's nutrients that you get from having like grass versus corn that can be in there. And the actual finished product is going to be different, but you don't have to worry about like what the cows were being we're being fed. People just want to know, like, how are, how are they being treated? And right. it's like people are like, well, there's no difference when you, if between like a grass fed way, like there, there isn't. But if you're looking at source again, and if that's what you really care about, we're trying to make sure that we're like, we're getting it from a good source. The harder thing from sourcing when it comes to protein without it out is plants, because you have these trace toxins and metals. Because what most people don't understand is that anything that comes from the earth is going to have some trace toxins and metals because the earth's crust is made up of heavy metals. So if it grows in the ground, you're going to have some metals. But there are different areas in this world where there are a lot more, a lot less metals, and groundwater plays a big impact. So sourcing is really, really big with anything plant-based. And that's where that NSF certification comes in. That's where we talk about finding something that's safe. So we talk about those 130,000 brands. NSF certified for sport is this governing body. And not NSF, it's the certified for sport that there are a couple things that it will like validate. One, it's that your labels are accurate, which as we said, since anyone can put anything on a label, this is a big deal to send this over and like literally down to the microgram of like, is this accurate? One, that's pretty big. You want to know that what they say is on the label is actually in the product. Two, no dangerous toxins and metals. If you are having anything plant-based, so a greens powder, a plant-based protein, really, really important because this is where you start looking at something, how something that is healthy can become unhealthy because Small amounts of these heavy metals is not an issue, and and potentially, potentially unintentionally. Uh, so it's completely. It's, the, it's, it's not like yeah. It's it's just to just to clarify and provide context. It's not like someone who's creating you know a plant based supplement. It's not like they have a Simon Legree mustache no. and they're they're chuckling. I'm going to feed the public toxins. No, they're just it. It's just something that can accrue over and compound across many different ingredients, and it might be right. a fantastic supplement otherwise, but yes. something that could have unintentional additives, ingredients, heavy metals, et cetera. Right. And, and as you always say, the poison's in the dose, right? So you can have someone who has like the best intentions, but if they're not investing in doing that third party testing, they don't even know. They don't even know the level of toxic metal. So it, it really is sometimes it's innocent, but it's not because you have to spend. And it's not cheap doing the NSF for sports certification. It's not, but there's a... I, you find out at, at every point in my career, it's like I do believe that there's a social responsibility. When I was an editor, there's a social responsibility to create good content or prevent bad content. There's a social responsibility that if you if you make a mistake, if you fuck it up, you explain how you were wrong or what. Like my job isn't to be right. My job is to get it right. And sometimes that means like getting it wrong. There's been a lot of things I thought throughout my career where I was just flat out wrong 
And if I've gotten anywhere, it's because like my job is to be a seeker of truth, to to translate, to find out like what is going to help people. And uh, because science is always changing, sometimes you just get it wrong. And that's okay as long as you eventually get it right and, and take responsibility for any any information that you share where you might have been misguided. So I think a lot of people, they're, they're putting all the right things in there, but they see the surface level and they don't see what's underneath. And if someone is taking them plant-based products every single day and occurring these heavy metals, it can be an issue. So you want to make sure that there's a really, really low percentage of it, which then gets back to that sourcing or potentially spending more money on the sourcing. And that's what we are militant about in creating ladder. And not only did it have to like work with science to make sure that, again, right amount, right do- dose, efficacious. It's, and, it, and it had to all be based in science. But then it's like, let's make sure the source is good. So if people take this routinely, which is what they want, they're not going to find themselves inadvertently creating other health problems because they were taking healthy products that just happened to accumulate and, and cause health issues. So I think that from the sourcing standpoint was making sure that you know where we were sourcing was really, really low because it's so easy to build up these, these toxins and metals because you even think about something like we have real chocolate in our chocolate flavored powders, our, our proteins. Chocolate is cocoa. Cocoa comes from a plant. That means anything chocolate automatically is going to start with some of those trace levels of metal. And then you start adding in pea and you start adding in pumpkin and it, it, it can accrue very easily. It's why most greens powders, it took us a long time to get our greens powder NSF certified for sport because we were essentially trying to create uh, the equivalent of an athlete multivitamin. It's not every single multivitamin, just the vitamins and minerals that and electrolytes that are most essential that your body needs to perform, that you're more depleted. Things like magnesium or zinc, vitamin D, and you start trying to do this from natural sources, again, like the metals can can build up very quickly. And NSF's just saying like, we have thresholds for toxins and metals. And like on the surface, everything is great. You have a wonderful product, but we, we can't hit that threshold. So I think being cognizant of that, and that was one of those processes of creating supplements, it's just like, it takes a while to, to source it and be patient and realize that like, oh, you think you got this formula locked and then like, you, they come back and like, well, we're gonna have an issue with this test. And it's like, all right, let's reformulate, let's adjust, let's not ruin the integrity of the product, but let's still make sure that we hit all of these standards because we said like, these were originally created for an athlete, LeBron, and really cre- originally created for all, all athletes. And essentially the idea is that they have higher standards because there's more risk. They, they can't fail a drug test. Now the average person doesn't have to be drug tested for what they do from a day-to-day living. But when you think about it, you should feel pretty confident about what you're putting into your body. It shouldn't be that just because it's on a shelf, you put it in and you just assume that it's okay. That's how things go bad. And like those same standards that I believe are held for the highest level athlete, even if you don't perform that way, are the same standards that you should expect for food, that it should be safe, that it should be effective, uh, and that there should be nothing like, you know, mysterious lurking in there. And that's the third part of NSF is make sure there are no banned substances and they make sure there are no unknown substances because in a world of chemically engineered drugs where those who make things uh, to aid performance is always going to be a little bit ahead of science, you want to make sure that not only is what we know is bad for you in there, but something that we don't know that's in there also is in there. And then we go the extra mile to make sure that every single batch is tested. So it's not a quarterly test. It's not an annual test. It's literally if we're going to mix product together, 
we're going to test it so that there's not a, a speck of powder that's out there that uh, that we have to question or worry about. And I think that's that's the peace of mind. As you said, there are a lot of supplements out there that can help people. But the, the hard part of the supplement game is like, can I trust this? There's the part of you that it's almost like the angel devil situation. You've got the, the angel that's like, take this. It's going to help you perform better. Do this. You're trying to be healthy. And you got the devil being like, man, do you know what's in this? Is this, is this safe for you to take? And we, we kind of want to like kill the devil where it's just like, you know what, if you're, if you're taking this, that's why we have such a, a minimalist approach. Supplements, there are only so many ingredients that work. Only so many products that work. And we just wanted to create something where uh, you had peace of mind that what you're taking was safe and was going to work. Changing tack just a little bit here, what role, so Ladder is known for having big, 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 big name athlete ambassadors, LeBron James, Arnold Schwarzenegger, just two names we've we've talked about and there are are more. What role do these, do you you call them co-founding Athletes, what is the what what is what is the term you use there? I'm trying to think back to the initial ladder press releases and, they were, and information I was they getting. Were, they were founders. So these are the people like a lot of people will look at it and see them as as spokespeople, but like this is their business. And again, it's like you have people who saw a pain point that they experienced. You know, Lindsay Vaughn was a great example of like not being able to take supplements for so long. Olympians are tested more than anything. And it was just like it was trying to take something that for most people felt exclusive a supplement that works a supplement with trust and agreement access to the mike mancius's and abby smith ryan's of the world and just make it available for all people the idea is like it talks about like better fuel like you're just trying to like provide people with better fuel that if like if you're looking for that extra 10 percent, which to me is like really what a supplement's about like your habits and behaviors your exercise and nutrition that's like your bread and butter. That's the foundation. But if you want that little extra boost, if you want to make sure that you're, you're doing all that you can to take care of yourself or fill gaps that you might have in your diet or make it more convenient for you to get in enough protein or greens or make sure that like if you're working out, you get a little extra boost to help fight off fatigue, have more energy, um, that you have products that you can go ahead and trust. So it was, it, it was kind of what, what spoke to me in the first place that uh, these were people who were essentially like putting their money where their mouth is and like they wanted to go ahead and create a company that solved the problem that they had dealt with directly and do things the right way. I've been advanced by many people over the last 10, 15 years who wanted me involved from, from a supplement standpoint and no one was really ever willing to put in the time. You know, if we talk about this, like Ladder launched in December of 2018. I started talking in like January of 2016 or whatever it was. It was early in 2016. Like this was almost like a three-year process to go from like, here's an idea, what can we make, to here's something that we're bringing to the market. What role do the founders play in the business today and what role are you playing in the business today? Yeah. Like week, maybe not day to day operations. Call let's call it week to week operations. Yeah. So uh, I would say the founders play the role of wanting to know what products we're creating, and they they love testing this stuff and seeing how it works and seeing what they think. And obviously, there's with with LeBron, it's one of those things we got to make sure that we go through all the NSF testing before we can give him anything. That's in the product timeline because again, there there, there can't be any risk, but. 
we look at it in terms of like, what are we creating? Why are we creating and who are we trying to help? I think the goal of the business is really like, we're, we're trying to fuel better performance. So uh, trying to stay true to that mission and create products that a lot of different people can use and get a benefit out of, that's where we get a lot of impact from LeBron and Arnold and, and really understanding their vantage point of it. And then for me, there's, there's kind of two main hats that I wear. And one is as uh, a chief of nutrition, which is just putting together a great team. Like my job is, again, as, as, as a researcher, it's, it's to read everything in the industry and understand like where trends are going, but then not overreact. I think the biggest feedback I get about ladder products, it's like, there's nothing new in here. And I'm like, yeah, that's by design because with science being so fluid, I don't want something new. I want something proven. My goal is to make sure that like, I'm not going to create a product and then a month later a study comes out that can essentially undercut the entire thesis of what we're trying to create. I want the stuff that we know works, which takes a lot of time reading through a lot of research, talking to a lot of different people to making sure that like, not only we know this works, but like, at what dose is this going to be effective? Like even like a great example is our pre-workout product, which is uh, like most popular because people can, can feel it. You know, there's a lot of questions about the different ingredients and it's like, because like we had to find the amount that like one work, but two that like had no contraindications. You look at caffeine, it's like we have less caffeine in there, but that's for several reasons. The reason we put caffeine in there specifically was to blunt the perception of fatigue. And the perception of fatigue is blunted at about 100 milligrams. But we only did 100 milligrams because we also know that you can burn out the receptor that allows you to respond to caffeine as the more and more you take of it. And I don't think people are just taking pre-workout as their only source of caffeine during the day. People are coffee drinkers. People are tea drinkers. So you start becoming aware that if you create a pre-workout product with 200 to 300 milligrams of caffeine, it might be great in that moment. But if you take another a cup or two of coffee during the course of the day or a couple cu- cups of tea you're going to burn out your caffeine receptor so that 200 to 300 milligrams of caffeine are suddenly just going to completely not have the same effect from a strength standpoint. Not to mention you're going to have the crash, you're going to have the jitters, you're going to have the upset stomach, you're going to build tolerance. The best way to get more out of caffeine is actually to use less. Same thing with beta-alanine. Beta-alanine buffers fatigue by removing carnosine from the muscle. And it's just like, but some people get the tingles and some people don't. So you could have like seven grams in there. And why do you guys have 3.2? Cause like, well, not everyone likes the tingles. So 3.2 is the amount, literally, that we see repeatedly in research that will still give you the benefits of it. Um, but it's less of a likelihood to create a side effect that is completely safe, but some people just don't like. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. that's the type of stuff where like you, you just try to boil down. So I, I do it from a, from a nutrition standpoint of helping work with the teams to formulate products, read through research, and make sure that we're doing this the right way and testing and focus groups and making sure it tastes good. And then there's a uh, chief of content and that's where the education part comes in. That's where we talk about like, I don't have to be right. I got to get it right. We're going to great people to, to educate people for free on fitness and nutrition topics and the type of stuff that I, I really been doing for about 20 years now, which is what I love more than anything, which is just helping people better understand fitness and nutrition because man, it's confusing. It is really confusing and the internet's like the best thing in the world, but in the world of fitness, it's the worst thing because you Google a question and like on page one alone, you've got like six different articles now telling you six different things and you're like, what the fuck do I believe? And it's frustrating. Or then you go on Instagram and you're like, oh man, I really follow this one IG influencer and he tells me that I need to eat breakfast every day, but I follow this other IG influencer and he tells me that I got an intermittent fast 
And then I follow this other person. He tells me gluten's the devil. And this other one says that I can eat gluten every single day. And this other person says I can't eat after 7 p.m. And the other person says, like, if I eat at night, I'm actually going to lose more fat. And people are just like, what am I supposed to believe? It is like, and I know you've seen this. You've, you've been witness to it in the same exact way that I have. Where, like, the hard part for most people is that, like, all of these answers in some way, shape, or form can be correct. And that's hard for people. So you try to position in a, in a way that you can educate so you understand like different behaviors and different lifestyle factors so that you can make decisions that kind of remove that stress. It kind of, uh, I would say, dull out the noise. Like let's cut through the teeth of all this noise to let you know what you need to know. And just try to bang that drum really loud so that people can be educated and be empowered so they can feel more in control of their health. Adam Bornstein, where can people keep in touch and follow along with what you're doing these days? Yeah, so everything with the with the ladder stuff, that's going to be weareladder.com or at weareladder on all the social channels. Me personally, uh, it's, it's the name that I think got me in the industry in the first place. It's Born Fitness, so at Born Fitness. I do, do a Sunday Q&A every Sunday. It's one of my favorite things in the world. If you don't like kids, though, I warn you, I always answer them with my with my two little men. So they chime in, but I think they're cute and adorable, and I love them. So I'm not going to stop doing it with them. Thanks so much for joining us, Adam. It's been a pleasure. All right, thanks so much, buddy. 